0: Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. Uh, Thanks for having me at your place tonight. And uh, uh, what I'd like to speak about tonight is like a a continuation of a theme that I've spoken about over the last few weeks. Uh, I spoke about us as Christians, as God's people, making sure that the good news is indeed the good news. Uh, I've also spoken about God being kinder than we think. And I want to sort of continue down that vein and I want to introduce the beginning of a small series uh, just looking at Jesus himself. And I'd like to begin tonight by uh, asking us this question. Uh, When you think about God, what image do you see? What does that bring to mind? And And look, I understand that maybe for some of us watching tonight, uh, you don't think about God much at all. Maybe he's not really part of your world. And that's cool. You're really, really welcome. And I invite you to to join in our little journey together tonight. I know that when I think about and reflect on what uh, what I once thought about when I stopped to think about God on the odd rare occasion I did... uh, I, I would say that I believe that there was a god of the big stick. I think it was partly some religious upbringing that I had, some exposure to uh, to, to pretty harsh models of Christianity. And uh, and it left me indelibly imprinted with this sense of God was out to sort of get me because I'd been a naughty boy. And so when people first started speaking to me about Jesus and my need to come to God, uh, that was the last thing that I wanted to do. You know, in my mind, if God had a big stick, I don't want to meet him because he's going to whack me with it. And funnily enough, through the years, I I still meet people with this very harsh image. It's common, a harsh image of who God is. And, um, and so I want to talk to us about that tonight and speak into that. I think as, as Christians and as the church, we can't blame the media for people having a harsh image of God, even though they like to portray it that way. We can't blame you know, the new atheists uh, because I think through, the, through history, Christians have cherry-picked their own bits of Scripture in the same way that the new atheists like to do, to disprove God. Christians have done their own amount of cherry-picking, and it ends up in all kinds of crazy places. I mean, how else could we go from Jesus' clear words, love your enemies, to bomb your enemies? And, and I know some of the situations that our world has faced, they are very difficult, they are very complex. But I don't think we should ever try and sanitize human action by saying God is on our side. That's a dangerous place to go. And it presents a wrong image of God. God is on humanity's side. He loves people. Everyone created in his image. And so I want to speak to us tonight briefly about the God we didn't see coming. The God we didn't see coming. Matthew chapter 13 verses 54 through 57. To telling us about Jesus. It says, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. Now, synagogue was a meeting place, basically. So that they were astonished and they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us, they knew Jesus's family. Where then did this man, it's like one of these things is not like the other. That's what they're saying. Where did this man get all these things? And the next line is really interesting. It says, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. In other words, amongst his own people. Uh, And I find this reaction to Jesus really unusual. You know, at the end of the day, why are people so quick to reject? It's not like Jesus came murdering and pillaging. You know, he came bringing wholeness and life wherever he went. And yet people found themselves offended with him. I think it's the same even today. People quickly reject a man whose whole mission and message is to bring wholeness into people's lives. Uh, and I think it's it's just a strange thing. But I, I do believe it gets at the point that I want to make tonight. And that is, I don't believe people reject God as much as they reject their image of who they think God is. The image that's been portrayed, that they've picked up, whether it's been through popular culture, whether it's it's been through a, a university experience with a lecturer, whatever it's been that has given them a certain image, a documentary they've seen on Netflix. You know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff out there. We just got to remember, not all of it's true. And so people reject the image that they've got. And, uh, the fact is it's the responsibility of the church to give the correct image. I'm not sure we've always done that. Uh, so wonderfully, uh, I know for me, I was relieved when I went from, uh, from the image that I had, the God of the big stick, to an image that was was shown to me that was Jesus stepping up on my behalf. Uh, I was relieved. I embraced Jesus when I saw a correct image of him. But if I was honest, I'd have to say that the residual effect of believing the God of the big stick hung around for a long, long time. I'm not even sure sometimes whether I'm fully out of the woods with that one yet. And I think that that's reflected in sometimes. And and, you know, if you're a believer, if you've got faith, then you might recognise what I'm about to say. But it's almost in our mind that we we understand that God tends to get angry, but Jesus is always really cool. You know, that uh, I want to meet the Son. I'm not sure I want to meet the Father yet. And we can carry this sort of uh, this dualistic image of God. Within us. And I'd like to dispel that tonight. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, says it so clearly. He says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made. The worlds. Here's just a side note. Notice that the writer of Hebrews here says, um, In these last days he's spoken. So, for for all those that sort of get off on tangents and tracks of, Is it the last days? Even with this whole COVID crisis, it's, Oh, it's a sign, it's the last days. The first century Christians believed that Christ instituted the last days. If anyone asks you whether it's the last, you think it's the last days or not, you can tell them it has been for two thousand years, mate. Anyhow, that's a bit of a side note. God has spoken at various times and in various ways. In other words, the whole story of Scripture is going somewhere. Often, we pull images of God from a, a very you know maybe early image of God, an early picture. That is not really clear, but scripture shows us that this progressive revelation, or if I could put it this way, this progressive understanding of who God is actually finds its, uh, its fulfillment in Jesus. God has spoken in various ways at various times, but right now in this season, he has spoken to us by his Son. You can see this progression right through scripture. Um, interestingly, sometimes people get stuck on an older image like uh, the book of Judges. I love the book of Judges. It's all about heroes who rise up to deliver their nation. Uh, and and often when people talk about that, or they read that, uh, as much as there's a hero in the story, there's a lot of victims in the story. There's a lot of people that get killed in the story. And you can start to wonder where does the God of love fit in all this? Well, sometimes we just need to step back. And I, I love the hero stories in the, in the detail, in the, Uh, micro view. But when you go out to the macro view, you see that the whole book of Judges are cycles. It's cycles upon cycles of violence that repeats itself and never really resolves anything. And when you look at that whole picture of the book of Judges, maybe God is saying, you know what? Violence doesn't get you anywhere as our recent histories prove so terribly. Uh, and that's an early image of God. Um, and, and we should never look back at those things because we do like to in our 20, 2020 frame of reference with the world and justice and all of that, look back and cast judgment. And, and I think we've got to be careful of doing that. For example, we wouldn't do that when it comes to the medical field. You know, in in, uh, ancient days and maybe some of the earliest medical practices ever practiced was bleeding people. If you had a bleeding nose, uh, you went to see the doctor, he would cut you and bleed blood out of you because he thought that you had too much blood in your system. Even heavy menstruation would attract that same form of, before someone had a baby, they would bleed them. Before someone had an operation of some kind, they would bleed them. Just when you needed your blood the most, they would remove it from you. But we don't judge them because we realize they were only working with what they had and with the limited knowledge that they had. And I think when we look at some of the early stories of the Bible, we've got to be careful to allow those people who are on a journey a little bit of slack in their understanding of exactly who God was. Now, again, the writer of Hebrews says God has spoken through those situations, through those people at various times in various ways. So if you trace it back a little bit, you look at a few of them, Adam, uh, what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden as they walked away from God? You see God come and pursue them and provide for them. And even in, uh, in uh, putting them out of the garden, which might seem harsh, it was actually to save them from eating the tree of life, from being able to live in an eternal state separated from God. It was God's kindness and love that provided for them and even moved them to a distance so that he could eventually bring us all back together to him. That was one various way that he spoke. If you look at Moses, see, Moses has this encounter with God in the burning bush, which is really interesting because if you remember, Moses was born in Egypt and, uh, and Egypt worshiped the sun god Ra, uh, who was a god of fire. And so God appears to Moses in a way that was familiar to him. In other words, he meets him where he's at. But of course, if you track Moses's story, Moses ends up very much as uh, in a relationship with the living God that few other others had experienced. He moved him from that old experience into a whole new way of living and through him led a whole nation into freedom. If you look at Abraham, it's another interesting story, even predates Moses. God meets him at a point, one point in his life of child sacrifice. And it's like, whoa, that's, how, how would God ever ask a man to sacrifice his child? But you've got to read the whole story. It starts there because Abraham would have been familiar with that coming as the Bible says from Ur of the Chaldees and so he would have been familiar with child sacrifice. God meets him where he's at, calls him up the mountain but then at the last moment reveals himself as the God who provides for him and who does not want children sacrificed. Now to us, that makes common sense because we've been living with the revelation for thousands of years. For for Abraham, that was a whole brand new view of God. We go to the prophet Ezekiel. And I I love Ezekiel's story. He has a vision of God who's absolutely awesome. But again, if you, you come back out of the picture, you see that the context is, He's in a foreign land. He's in Babylon. He's like literally uh, in the most godless place on earth as far as Ezekiel would have been concerned as uh, as a priest in God's temple. Terrible things have happened to him personally, yet he has a revelation that even in captivity, even on their worst day, God is with them. He's not limited to a particular land. He's certainly not limited to a particular building, which is a revelation that we're having right now as the church. We're having that afresh. Uh, So in all these various ways, you could go on and on. God revealing himself as being something different to the image that people had established in their mind of who God was. And then Hebrews caps it off saying in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And, uh, I love that Jesus is the successor. It says, or the, the heir of all things. In other words, uh, that means the kingdom, God's plan, God's purpose, even a custodian of the story and how it's told it's all wrapped up in Jesus. And, um, And if you look at it, some of the difficult passages that we see of people behaving badly in the Bible, you know, maybe they're not what God wants. Maybe they are just people on a journey, you know, like sometimes groping in the dark, finding humanity, finding its way towards God. And then Jesus appears to say, this is as clear as, as it gets. There might be all kinds of images fragmented from the past, but in Jesus, we see God clearer than we are ever gonna see him. And so I'll ask us a couple of questions. You know, what if God really is just like Jesus? You know, it's not like, uh, well, I'm cool with Jesus because he forgives everyone, but I'm not sure about, you know, the father. Well, we, we need to understand this is the whole point of the incarnation. The, the, the two are one in that sense. And uh, we believe, obviously, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. So God is in Christ. Paul puts it this way. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, even as Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. This is the whole point of the incarnation, God becoming man. That's what incarnation means. It's it's not just a cute Christmas story that gives us the nativity scene. It's understanding that when you see Jesus, you get the clearest picture of God you are ever going to get. That indeed Jesus is God's final word that is spoken to humanity. You know, God was always speaking, but now his word is complete. You know, from creation, he was speaking from uh, the journey of man's history. He's speaking through the patriarchs, through the kings, through the prophets. I've given a couple of those stories. He's been speaking, but now he has said something so clear, so uh, engagingly human in the form of Jesus Uh, The New Testament calls him the express image of the person of God, his express image. We could never see God clearer than when we're looking at Jesus. We could never hear God clearer than when we're listening to Jesus. So I want to ask you some questions. You know, and, and maybe they're questions that we can ask ourselves. Maybe I'll ask myself as we're going, but has my religious experiences or preferences clouded the image that I have of who God is? Have my fears of a harsh God complicated the image of God we see in Jesus? Um, And maybe the, the biggest one is if God is really like Jesus, do I suddenly relax? If, if I can just accept that actually, you know, God, there's nothing to fear in him because I know God is just like Jesus. And if that makes you relax, it probably means that you've been holding a certain amount of a false image of God. Would I feel more comfortable in his presence if I just thought of God? As Jesus, Uh, you know, maybe if I could put it in, in terms that I think our society, uh, our Western society, has this funny image of Saint Peter at the gates, um, letting people in or letting people out—the gates of heaven—and it's like, you know, Peter's given the say, and there's a lot of jokes that are based around that. And uh, but at the end of the day, I do think some people think that way. I wonder if I've done enough good. To get in. And I wonder if you replace the image of Peter at the gates of heaven with the image of Jesus, whether all of a sudden you'd feel like the odds were far, far better in your favour if it was taken out of the judgment of man and given into the person that we know to be Jesus and all that he represents. And, and you know, tonight you might be with us and you've come on this bit of a journey. But you'd say, well, you know, I'm, I'm unbelieving. Uh, I, I've never been a believer and that's not where I'm at. Um, a question for you, I, I'd ask you to, to ask this question. Have I rejected God or just a false image of who I thought God was? And, and I want to encourage you that you'll never see God clearer. Then, then you see in the image of Jesus Christ walking down dusty streets, mixing it with humanity, forgiving what his society felt was unforgivable, healing what the then known world knew as incurable, uh, reaching out and bringing wholeness and bringing life everywhere he went. That is the correct image of God. And I want you to consider that. You know, is that the image you've rejected, or have you rejected maybe media images, maybe cultural images and icons that have been presented of who God is? I'd like to pray for us if I could. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for everyone who's been with me tonight, been with us tonight. Uh, I, I thank you for touching them right where they are. Let your spirit invade their heart. Father, I pray as people open their heart to you, open their life to you, they'd have a fresh picture of who you are, of your goodness towards them, of your your grace, your forgiveness, your willingness to provide and to make a way, even in the most difficult of circumstances. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And, you know, if you are with us and maybe... That last question was especially for you. You'd say, I I came into this night uh, without faith, but I sense faith stirring in my heart. If God is who you say is, then I would be open to that God uh, that we find in the form of Jesus Christ. And uh, I just invite you, friend, if, if you feel your heart is open to God right now, uh, why don't you swing the door wide? Why don't you take what we'd call as just a step of faith, open your heart wide and just invite Jesus Christ into your life. Just, just by faith, wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing, just take this moment, close your eyes maybe and just say, Jesus, come into my life. If you're real, come into my life and reveal yourself to me. Take a hold of my life. Lead me, help me to live my life in, in the way that you created me to live it. And, and friend, simple words like that make a way for God to get involved in our lives in a very, very powerful way. And if you've done that, I want to invite you to um, uh, like a comment that's coming up. If you're with us uh, on YouTube or on, um, on Facebook, then uh, there's a comment, comment there that you can like, and that will uh, put us in touch with you. We want to make sure we get a Bible to you. Uh, We think that's the best way we can empower your journey is to give you your own copy of the Bible. And you can begin to read that and see uh, exactly how Jesus lived and what Jesus said for yourself. And, um, And also we might be able to answer any questions you might have. So make sure you do that. Uh, And for everyone, God bless you. It has been great to be with you tonight. And I'm going to hand you back to our hosts.